What's the deal, baby? This your boy, Uncle Luke. Welcome to another edition of Luke Podcast Show right here on all of your podcast networks. I'd like to first off say this podcast is brought to you by www.lukerecord.com. That's lukerecord.com, where you can buy all your Luke gear, Luke paraphernalia, get your freak shows, your peep show videos. You can get your T-shirts, your hats, your scarves, the whole nine yards. You can go right there at www.lukerecord.com, and uh, you can go get everything that you need to get. And also, make sure you check me out on my Instagram, Uncle Luke Real One. That's number one. Follow me. Follow me also on Twitter, Uncle Luke Real One on Twitter as well. That's where you need to find me at. If you got any show topics, you go over there and uh, come up with a topic. Hit me up and uh, check you out. I like dialogue on all my social media networks. Oh, I'm also on uh, Facebook. <coughs> you can find me on Facebook, uh, Luke, Uncle Luke. That's just Uncle Luke on Facebook, Facebook fan page. You can find me over there. I'm doing the show from my backyard out there by the lake. A few cars are passing by, just watching them. Ain't but a few. You know, we're in this coronavirus uh pandemic days where nobody shouldn't actually be riding around at all. So I spend my time back here because I can't go to the office. But uh, hopefully we'll get through it and we'll make it through. Everybody will be safe. Everybody will make it. And then we'll end up uh, in a better situation than we were before we got into this pandemic. So tonight's show is about University of Miami football, the untold stories. I guess I'm going to do this like as if you're reading a book or you're reading or you're looking at a a movie because it was a fucking movie. Ain't no question about it. It was a fucking movie. I'm going to take y'all from the beginning so y'all can get a good idea as to why I felt like I was so invested in the University of Miami all the way until the end when I got kicked off campus. Yeah, I got kicked off campus. So let me take you from the beginning. Now, me as a little jit running around Liberty City, you know, nine, ten years old playing Pop Warner football at Noah Optimus on Miami Beach. My brother used to take us me and my other brother to all the University of Miami football games. You know, back then you could get free tickets to the game because it wasn't, it wasn't nobody at the games. It was like 500 people, if that. And you would sit up there and look at UM, get the shit beat out of them. They'll get beat 49 nothing. They'll get beat 52 nothing. It would be bad. I mean, they had a couple of African-American players on the team, once upon a time, it was Chuck Foreman, and then it was Kerry Baker, E.J. Baker. You know, one, just a few brothers, not too many, you know. And uh, because, you know, back then, it was hard for the brothers to get to Carl Gables. You know, it was Coconut Grove, then it was Carl Gables. Brothers couldn't go to the Gables. You stayed in Coconut Grove, which was one block apart. 
you know, uh, and then it was South Miami, right next to that, which was another African-American neighborhood surrounded Carl Gables. But the brothers wasn't really welcome at Carl Gables. So, you know, that's why the team was pretty much white, 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 and all white with a couple brothers on the team. And we got this shit beat out of us. Until, until Howard Stellenberger came. You know, we had coaches before Stellenberger. When I was a kid, I used to be out there. It was Carl Selma. And then we then we got Lou Saban. Lou Saban came there. I just, boy, I was so excited when Lou Saban, I think he was he was coaching at the Buffalo Bills and, and you know, the Miami Herald. You read in the Miami Herald. And, and it said, Lou Saban is now coming to coach the University of Miami. He's coming from the NFL. This shit is going to be good. It's going to be our year. Lou Saban got out there and got the shit beat out of him. Before you know it, they were firing Lou Saban. Next thing, though, my man Howard Snellenberger. I'm going to fast forward because I don't want to talk about Myra and all of them. Like I said, we got our ass whooped, no matter what coach it was, before Howard. So let's get right into this Howard thing because I don't want to waste y'all time because we got a lot of shit to cover. Howard Snellenberger comes up in there. Howard is looking good. Howard is going to change the program. Ted did his big speech, got us all excited, all 500 fans, because, again, it wasn't too many of us going to the games back then. Howard then got all, got everybody excited. So next thing you know, we all going to the game. So it went from 500 to 1,000. So we had 1,000 fans out there excited about this guy named Howard Stellenberger. Howard goes fucks around and get beat by University of Florida A&M, black college, historical black college, real black college, swag black college, black college that was winning national championships in black college. They ran their ass up to Tallahassee, played fam you, and got their ass whooped. The score didn't look like it was 100 to nothing, but the game, it was actually that lopsided. Miami didn't have a chance. Them fucking white boys were so goddamn scared on the field. They ain't never seen that many Negroes in the stands because they went up to Tallahassee and played them. They moseyed on up to Tallahassee, and they didn't see so many black people because during those times, and even right now today, Florida State, is scared as shit to play FAMU because they're right literally a block away. So Miami jumped on that shit. And it ain't like playing Florida A&M right now back then because Florida A&M back then had all the top black football players in the state of Florida. If you could imagine that, just imagine Omari Cooper, Devontae Friedman, Duke Johnson, uh, you name it, Ed Reed, uh, 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 Warren Sapp, Cortez, all those guys going to Florida and m even though Cortez did, ain't from Florida, but Sapp is. Just imagine that was the only place that they could go play ball at between Florida and m and Cookman. So most of the brothers went to Cookman, went to Florida and m or either Cookman. The top players went to a and That's why a and was kicking everybody's ass. So they go take their ass up in Tallahassee and get this shit beat out of them. 
Howard Stellenberg came back to Miami. They were getting ready to close the fucking program down. They were like, there's no way in the world y'all going to go up there and let these Negroes whoop y'all fucking ass. We might not we might not need football here at UM. We already been getting our ass whooped. We got this old flashy brand new coach in Howard Stellenberg, and then we get our ass whooped. But Howard wasn't having it. Howard was like, fuck this. I am going to get me. I'm going to get the baddest brothers you could ever imagine to come practice with us the whole fucking week. Howard went, see, back in the days, they used to have these, uh, they used to have these these damn uh, programs. They used to have these uh, these uh, semi-pro teams. And the semi-pro teams like Bunch Park, then they had uh, Swamp City, they had Liberty City. I, I mean, this, this, this shit was, it, it was, it was, it was made up of the most notorious guys. They would be betting thousands and thousands of dollars. The dope dealers game wouldn't even be over. Game would end in a shootout and shit like that. So Howard went and got these motherfuckers, brought them down the car, gave and said, y'all scared of them Negroes from Tallahassee? I'm finna let y'all practice against some of the notorious, baddest Negroes, grown-ass men, killers, dope dealers, or whatever the fuck it was, and they pound on them goddamn U.M. white boys for about a fucking week because they lost against FAMU. And then what Howard did, he said, okay, now I got y'all attention. And we ain't finna have this shit. We are not gonna be no pushovers and no pussies from Miami. So Howard then went back, looked at the film, and said, shit, these motherfuckers beat us every which way. Florida and them. They beat us all over the place. And they were partying, celebrating, dancing, having a good time. That's swag. And then Howard looked at the roster, and he looked at Florida roster. He looked at Florida State roster because back then there wasn't no such thing as FAU and FIU. So he looked at the other two schools' rosters and said, let me see if they got any brothers on the team. They ain't had none of the brothers. And then he looked at FAMU record for the, <laughs> for the last five years. Jay Gaither kicking ass all across the, the board. It was so – FAM was beating so many teams so bad that they were, their conference was trying to force them into going into Division One football. That's how good they were. Because, again, the top players from Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando, Ocala, Miami, all the brothers had to go. They had no other choice. They had to go to FAMU. So Snellenberger said, you know what? I need to get me some of these fucking brothers. I need to get all the brothers from Miami. I need to get the brother from Broward. I need to get the brother from Palm Beach. And I need to go on up the I just need to get the top brothers from all the hood schools. And I'm gonna bring their ass to the University of Miami. Howard did that. Changed the whole fucking program. Let he brought them in and he let them be who they were. He didn't bring them in to change themselves. So now you got these young brothers come straight out the hood with all this swag. And so I always tell people to this day, Florida and m made Miami because Miami took Florida and m swag and Florida and m players allowed them to have swag. And then 
went to the University of Miami, kept their identity as young African-American men. And when they played on the field, they ain't give a shit. So now here we go. How we got the brothers on campus? Well, that shit wasn't going, uh, it wasn't going to be just that, that easy. Now he got the brothers on campus. What's, what next? So the brothers is out there robbing, stealing, going in the little white kids' room, dormitory rooms, shooting up the campus. It was an all-out fucking free-for-all out there. They ain't know what the fuck hit them. It was just what them city officials from Carl Gables and them board members did not want when they told Howard, if you bring these Negroes over here, these Negroes is going to run over our little white kids. And they went out there and did it. And as that shit was going on, now keep in mind, I'm getting older. Now I get into the music business. Howard goes, beat the shit out of everybody. Now, next coach come in. Jimmy comes in. Jimmy comes in, same shit going on. But Jimmy got a little more control. Now Luke, two live crew big. I didn't say, fuck it. Let me put the UM shit on. Tell the two live crew, let's put the UM shit on. We're going to represent UM. Because they downright nasty, dirty. Nobody in the world care nothing about us. We're the black sheep of the hip-hop family. All the fucking rappers around the world hate us. From Run DMC to Eric Eric B. To goddamn you name it. Public Enemy was the only people that liked us. All the New York rappers, they got on the fucking BET. Oh, we don't like these motherfuckers. They ain't hip-hop. They from Miami. Ain't no such thing as hip-hop in Miami. Everybody hated us. We was the outcasts, and so was University of Miami. Brett Mossberger get on TV. Oh, this University of Miami, they ain't shit. This University, all of them, you name it. Uncle Al get on the TV. He's saying the same shit, not Uncle Al, the DJ, but all the fucking reporters, all the sports commentators. So next thing you know, I'm seeing all this killing, not killing, but all this shooting and robbing. And I go, I say, you know what? Let me go down there and talk to these young fellas. Because I need to explain to them the opportunity that they have by going to the University of Miami. They can get them a good education at one of the most prestigious private schools in the country. Because again, UM is private, it's not public. It is up there with the Harvards and the, and the Yales and shit like that. So that's where it was and still is to this, to this day. But I said, you know what, let me go talk to these young fellas because I need to explain them the opportunity that they have. I need to explain to them where UM was and where UM is right now when it comes to the racial divide. I need to explain to them about the opportunity of education. I need to explain to them about you have a a chance to fucking play in the NFL. Stop doing this dumb shit. So that is how I end up getting involved with UM. It was some show shit because back in the days, there wasn't no such thing as country western 
artists or entertainers or rappers standing on no sideline, no college football game, or no actors or none of that shit. I'm the motherfucker who started that. But I was out there because I wanted to fucking be a part of the program, mold those guys, let them know I got their back. Here the fucking rapper who everybody in the world is coming after the most notorious motherfucking Negro in the world. I want them to know that, hey, look, I'm on the same boat y'all on. Nobody gives us no respect. My industry, the hip hop industry, gives me no respect. NCAA football industry gives y'all no respect. So at that point, I said, listen, we need to have us some meetings every Thursday. So we sat down and had meetings that whether there was a situation of somebody acting like a jackass at the school, one of the football players, we bring them to the meetings, put them in the rounds, in the round, at the round table, in the circle, and say, look at dumb motherfucker, don't do that stupid shit. You're going to fuck it up for everybody else here, and you're going to fuck it up for everybody else after you. So we sat down and had those meetings. So we would talk about the issues. And then at the same time, we talked about what they were going to do on Saturday. Man, you're going to get that motherfucking football. And if you run in the, if you get a touchdown, you're going to run in the end zone, take your motherfucking helmet off, and start fucking uh, dropping it like it's hot. Y'all call it twerking right now. But back then, we called it fucking throw the dick. Fucking Lamar Thomas running the end zone and throw the dick. When you hit a motherfucker and knock his ass out on the ground, you stand up over him and you throw the dick right in his face. Walk right all over him. So when you saw them boys go, every game, guys just start coming up with their own shit. We came up with the shit initially in the beginning, but then as it went on, guys just started coming up with their own shit. If I make a big hit, I'm going to do this. I'm, but all of it was involved in dancing because they took on the life of the two live crew and down south dancing. They added it on to what they were doing and they didn't give a fuck who liked it or not. Even if they went, the more they said it was, oh, this ain't football, they ain't got no class. Well, you motherfuckers ain't had no class when y'all, Brent Mossberg and all y'all, when y'all was talking that shit about UM football. Because they only cared about Oklahoma, Nebraska, Notre Dame. They only cared about those teams, Alabama, LSU. If you even thought, you thought the University of Miami came from a third world fucking country. So the guys heard that. We would sit there and listen to the telecasters. When, when UN was whooping ass and how they would be talking, oh, they ain't got no class and all this. Well, you know what? Y'all don't give a fuck about us. And it was the same way we carried ourselves on stage. Hip-hop, don't give a fuck about us. We're going to put the girls on stage. We're going to have motherfuckers get naked. We're going to just tell them everybody kiss our ass. We're going to tear up the hotel rooms. We're going to do all that shit with our fucking scarves on. And that's when the shit hit the fan also. Jerome Brown, Melvin Braddon, fucking Winston Moss. All them boys put the fucking scarf on. 
That's when the people start getting nervous. That's when the Miami Herald start writing fucking uh, uh, articles. That's when the people start complaining. Hold on. These motherfuckers out here, they the fucking two live crew of football. They the outlaws. They the most talked about, notorious football team in America. They just like them motherfuckers on that album cover with the UM shit. So they start putting two of the two together. It was like, hold on. These notorious rappers got their UM jackets and drawers and shit on, doing wild shit and everybody trying to lock their ass up. And you got the football team with the UM shit on and they got the scarf. So in all actuality, we were dressed the same fucking way. We had the UM jackets and pants and shorts and all that shit on. And they had the scarf on. And we had our scarf. So I had the Luke Records scarf. And it was me. I was the only one with the scarf on. The motherfucker put that scarf on. Sam Jankovic came. I remember it like it was yesterday. The boys called me up and they said, hey, man, this motherfucker Sam Jankovic want to have a meeting with us to tell us we can't wear the fucking scarf. See, back then it wasn't no, the NCAA had no rules against what you could put on and what you could wear and all that bullshit like that. Even the NFL ain't had no rules. So what ended up happening? The guys got a whiff of the meeting and what the meet was going to be about because the coach was like, hey, I'm out of that shit. I ain't going to tell you. I'm not bothered with that shit. You're going to have to tell them that. They ended up fucking uh, calling the meeting. I tell you, all them boys called me up and said, Luke, they got a meeting trying to tell us not to put the fucking scarves on. I said, well, what y'all want to do? Y'all ain't got to put it on. It's on y'all. They said, fuck them. We don't play for these motherfuckers. We play for the fucking you. And if they ain't a part of the program, then fuck them. We coming over there to get more scarves. I tell you, the fucking warehouse was full of the white boys, the, the you, everybody, the white, the black, anybody, the fucking, you name it. The walk-ons, everybody came and they got a scarf and they went back to the meeting and put the fucking scarf on. Everybody sat in the meeting, the whole fucking football team. Can you imagine a hundred and some players with the scarf on? And they were like, okay, what the fuck you got to talk about? What the fuck you want to talk about? And that shit was hilarious. And so you will, at that point, that was it. They lost control. Tad Foot lost control. Everybody lost control. It was, it was the head coach and the football team. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Fuck y'all. Fuck the administration. Fuck the boosters. We ain't finna be no prima donnas. We ain't finna be no bitches for no fucking body. And at that point, the football team had full control of everything they did. And I tell you, let me tell you about the team. Let me let me tell you about the, the cornerstone, the cornerstone of the team. Jerome Brown. University of Miami football starts off with Jerome Brown. Look him up, young people, if you don't know who he is. He is the architect of that whole shit. Fuck what you heard. They don't talk about him enough on the documentaries. He is the fucking reason UM is what they are right now today. I love everybody else. I love them boys who are all at the Hall of Fame and all that beautiful shit and everything that they accomplished in the NFL. But no, Jerome Brown. Me and Jerome Brown sat up there and concocted damn near everything 
you saw at the University of Miami. That was my right-hand man. That was my guy that I would go to, and he would get order. Jerome was the guy who I damn near looked at and said, Jerome, you're going to need somebody. Somebody going to have to be responsible for this shit. Now, you doing, we're doing all this wild shit on the field and all this here, and all these guys doing all this wild shit at, the, at, at practice and all, but somebody got to be responsible. And it was fucking Jerome. Jerome said, look, I'm going to take and I'll be responsible. You can hold me fully responsible for everything. So what ended up happening? Jerome then went. Jerome then took over the whole team. Anybody got out of order, anybody played bad, Jerome would beat your ass. After the film session, Jerome got his crew of guys, Winston Moss and all of them, and they didn't play the fucking radio. They didn't play the radio. And anybody that came after Jerome Brown, he taught them what you and football was all about. He taught all the fucking, everybody that came after him. You see I Warren Sapp play? Because of Jerome Brown. You see how Cortez Kennedy play? Because of Jerome Brown. You see how Mark Caesar played? It was because of Jerome Brown. You see how Russell Maryland played? Because of Jerome Brown. That's how that team operated. Jerome Brown was the creator. He the, he's the guy, when you saw the documentary, that walked off the fucking airplane and said, we don't eat with motherfuckers before we go to the war, which is the most classic shit. He could do that because he was the leader of the entire University of Miami football program. Jerome Brown said, we work hard, this is how we work. Jerome Brown said, nobody gives a fuck about us, it's us against the world. And they, when he led, they followed. So when anybody tell you anything other than that, no, everybody else follows suit. So you had the D-line playing a certain kind of way. You had the linebackers playing a certain kind of way. You had Michael Irvin leading the wide receivers and any other wide receivers that came after Mike. You had Eddie Brown leading the wide receivers. Anybody else came after Eddie Brown was on that same program. It was it was hardcore football. Even the fucking quarterbacks ain't played the radio. Bernie Kosar, Kelly, and all them. They was with that shit. They was with that shit. So what ends up happening? Rome wasn't built overnight. And it always has to be torn down from within. So now here comes old Dan Lebertard. Dan the man. Lebertard. See old rapper on the sideline, got this influence over the team. Rapper is over here. He don't know what the fuck the rapper doing. Him and all the other haters sitting up in the stands. Now we done multiplied. We ain't got 500 most uh, fans. We got uh, 80,000. They don't know what's happening. Fairweather fans, come on out to the UM game. We're going to see what the hell UM is doing and how they're playing. And who is the beast? Who they gonna beat next? Who they gonna beat now? So what happens? We get this guy named Levitard. 
what does Levitard do? He started, that went to University of Miami, by the way. Dan went there. He was a young guy. I don't know what year in college he was, but he went to University of Miami. Here come Dan. I'm going to blow this shit up. I got to find out what's going on. Why is the rapper on the sideline? Dan needs to know. So, okay, here we go. Dan goes to stooping around. He's got to be playing, paying the players. I hear he's paying them. Can't find that out. He's got to be doing this. So they start hearing the stories about the bounties and, and touchdowns and how much money they was getting in the meetings on Thursday night at, at Uncle Luke's condo. Dan Levitard. He got to find out. He's the, he's the fucking investigative reporter, young guy. At the university, he goes to the University of Miami, but works at the Miami Herald, a big newspaper. I got to break this story. Fuck it. So Dan is calling my office, back to back, calling my office, calling my office, trying to find me, camping out at my office, trying to find me. He didn't interview everybody he could interview. He found a couple of players, and I think he lied on them and said, Hey, man, these guys said you paid them. Players. This was after these guys went and didn't make it in the NFL. Dan finds these guys. So then how did Dan catch up with me? Because I'm avoiding him. I don't want to talk to this motherfucker. I'm like, first of all, how could you go to the University of Miami and, and want to tear the motherfucking school down? So what ends up happening? Dan catches me at the golf course. I was at a golf tournament. Minding my own business. Golf tournament is over with. We over at the awards ceremony. The awards ceremony was held outside. Here come this fucking skinny white boy. Comes up, introduces himself. My name Dan Levitard. Okay, so you the guy I've been looking for me. I sat down. He was like, can I have a seat? I said, no, you can't have a seat. The fuck you coming to have a seat for? And then I went on to scold him about how could you go to the University of Miami, want to tear University of Miami down with all this bullshit investigative reporting that you're doing. And, he's, and then... He said, look, I'm just reporting the facts. I said, what facts? Well, if I could sit down, I, will, I, can, I can explain to you and I can ask you the questions. So I said, go ahead and sit the fuck down. I started bouncing the golf ball. I knew that was going to annoy him because writers, when, you're, when they're doing an interview, they have to have concentration and they got to hear everything that you're hearing and hear everything they got to hear everything that you're saying in order to set up for the next question because they'll interview you for three fucking hours and there'll be one line because they're only trying to get one line to then make their story 
what they want their story to be. So, for instance, if you if they want you to be the motherfucker who pays somebody off, they'll ask you a thousand questions, and then you will say two two lines, and they'll take that and make it seem like you admitted to paying some fucking money off. So I already knew the game. After all, I done been on every fucking have done every interview by every gangster reporter. It is because remember, I'm fucking two live crew fighting the fight taking on the Supreme Court and everybody else. So this motherfucker here, this young fucking punk ass reporter, Levitard, asked me, he goes and say, uh, yeah, well, you know, this guy, Bernard Clark and Charles Farms uh, say you paid them off. I said, first of all, I don't know no fucking Bernard Clark and Charles, and Charles Farms. Who the fuck is Bernard Clark and Charles Farm? I didn't know them. And I, and, and I didn't know them. I knew them after the fact. Bernard Clark is a real classy, upstanding guy that got came to me after this shit. It was like, Luke, I ain't never said shit to this dude. Tiger, I know him. Good friend of mine right now today. He said, Luke, I ain't never, I don't do no shit like that. I bleed this shit. So then this motherfucker said this. So I'm, I'm like, uh, Mr. Levitard. Where you get this shit from? You making this shit up? No, I ain't making this shit. So when, when he said that, I immediately, automatically thought, because I had to do my homework on this guy because I already knew he was calling me. And at some point, I was going to talk to him. This motherfucker, I immediately said to myself, you know what? This dude, go to you and why would you, if you was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and you went to the University of Alabama, if you went to the University of fucking LSU or Arkansas or some shit, they would have hung that motherfucker. I don't care what color he was, you finna try to take down the uh the uni- if you went to the University of Florida, that bitch would have been out there with them alligators dead. So I'm sitting up here saying to myself, they must be fucked his girlfriend or something like that. The football players knocked his girlfriend down. And that is why he got this hard on for the institution, the school that he go to. And to this day right now, dad is my friend. Love him to death. He went to my motherfucking wedding and everything. I love him to death. That's my guy. I always wanted to ask him, Dan, did this motherfucking girlfriend, because you really had a hard-on for University of Miami. There's been a million things. You had, in the 80s, you had the cocaine cowboys, the cocaine cartel. You could have fucking investigated, reported a whole bunch of other shit. But you wanted to fuck around with the University of Miami. You had more Miami Dolphins snorting more cocaine than than law allows. You could have went and did that story there. But you want to fuck with the school that was getting their ass whooped when I was a kid, going up into that fucking stadium, taking them ass whoopings, and it's like, God has blessed it. Thank you, Jesus. You answered my prayers as a kid that my football team is now relevant. And I can be a guy a responsible black man that's sitting home on my ass helping these young men, steering them in the right direction. Why is this motherfucker asking me these questions? And he went on and did his story, went out into the Miami Herald. Before you know it, NCAA investigations going on. They're going to investigations. Pay for play. 
So while the investigation's going on and him doing those articles, we just get more wild and wild on the field. Fuck it. It was really fucking football. It was dancing, jumping around. Dennis Erickson was the coach coming to practice. Uh, uh, Erickson hanging out in my clubs and shit. Hey, if uh, Erickson beat the club over. That was my main man. I love Dennis Erickson. I always say Dennis Erickson was was one is my favorite coach out of all coaches. Jimmy, everybody loved Jimmy. Jimmy is politically correct. Everybody fucking love Howard. But Dennis Erickson, I remember the fucking hurricane. Dennis Erickson's son played for Miami Killian. And a few of my dancers, guy dancers, they all lived down south. They went to school with Erickson's son. And the hurricane hit. All these kids from down south that went to Killian and, the, you know, the brothers in the black neighborhood had no place to stay, no food, nothing. That fucking Dennis Erickson brought all them kids, I don't know, maybe 30 kids. And they stayed at his house from his son's school. They stayed in the house. I remember I remember one night, one of the dancers called up and said, Coach, we're in trouble. I said, you in trouble? What the fuck you mean in trouble? Man, <laughs> me and Mr. Erickson's son and a couple more brothers, we just got stopped by the police. What? Y'all going to jail in Carl Gables? Say, yeah, man, they, 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 they pulling us over. I said, well, y'all might end up in jail. And then afterwards, they called and said, man, they had them all on the ground and shit. And then Coach Harrison called me up and said, man, everybody all right. I said, damn, Coach E, what happened? So we called him Coach E. Coach E said, man, the police, these fucking redneck police stopped these kids. They weren't doing shit wrong. And, then, you know, obviously they found out they, they thought it was they thought the car was stolen and they had kidnapped Erickson's son and all this shit. Took the kids out, threw them on the ground, but those kids were just living with Coach Harrison. While the hurricane blow over and they get lights. And I remember that like it was yesterday. I was like, man, this fucking guy's my guy. He didn't have to bring those kids in his house. He didn't have to do that. But he did that. Everybody wanted to say, hey, man, how is Luke and Cortez Kennedy got this great relationship? Man, me and Cortez was like fucking brothers. God bless his soul. I remember when Cortez, Cortez made it to the Seattle Seahawks. Cortez wouldn't even fucking date a girl unless he brought the girl to my to my house to meet me. Cortez, you great mama and great daddy, but Cortez was so goddamn scared to date the wrong girl. I remember he brought this little skinny model chick to my house, talking about, yeah, I'm getting ready to marry her. I said, better get this freak out of my goddamn house. You ain't finna marry him. Cortez, look at yourself in the mirror and look at her. She trying to get you for your money. The wildest shit. Then Cortez ended up getting married uh, to a young lady and and uh, and uh, had his daughter, Courtney. And uh, Cortez ended up make a long story short, he ended up being a single parent father. That's how good he was. Jerome Brown, another one, one of my favorites, JB. JB was coming to, people didn't realize, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the day JB died, 
I was having my celebrity annual celebrity golf tournament. And JB like fucking around with them cars. He liked racing them cars. And JB was at the car shop early that morning. And he and I kept hitting him. JB, when you coming? JB said, I'll be there. <coughs> I'll be there. And then we got the we got the message probably a couple of hours later. JB never showed up to the golf tournament. Say JB was dead. I never had the golf tournament from that day on. Lamar Thomas, they said, how you had such a great relationship with Lamar Thomas? Lamar Thomas was another one of my guys. LT, love him like a son. LT came from Gainesville, Florida. I just loved him, the fact that that motherfucker could have went to the University of Florida. He chose University of Miami because LT had that swag in him. We call him white chicks right now. LT had so many bad run-ins with the black girls. He's like, fuck this shit. I'm just going to mess with the white girls. LT, they said, how you guys some uh, great relationship with LT? Man, LT could count on me for doing anything to help him out while he was in school. I remember LT, old girl, ran, ran on some bad times. And he was getting ready to go back to Gainesville. He was getting ready to leave Miami and say, fuck football. And we made sure LT was straight. I ain't gonna tell y'all a story because y'all wanna know whether or not I pay people off anyway. Michael Irvin, Mike was the flamboyant guy that he always was and what he is right now. They love Mike, passion, everything. Get up in the room, talk that shit and back it up. Mike was my guy. Winston Moss, a man of few words. But when he spoke, goddammit, everybody listened. Cortez Kennedy, Winston Moss, all them boys, Warren Sapp, old boy from Old Country Road. That's my guy to this day right now. He's an asshole. Yes, Warren is an asshole. Warren is not a people's person. I'm the only one who could deal with his crazy ass. But Warren loves people. No matter what nobody says about Warren, he's a fucking walking encyclopedia when it comes to football. Anything you want to know about football, any legendary player, he knows it. Adrian James, my guy to this day. Right now, Adrian James won't even fucking buy a piece of property without calling me up and asking my advice. He just called me the other day. He said, my daughter want to be in the music business. What should I do? And I said, okay, EJ. And all you got to do is just give EJ the formula. You give him the recipe, he'll take off and do it. My fucking guy. I love EJ like his fucking son. And these guys, man, Melvin Bratton, the cornerstone, he's the first to leave Miami to go to Miami. He started all that shit off. Leaving Miami Northwestern. Melvin had the swag, the gift the gab, all that shit. Alonzo Highsmith, right now today, hot. Slow talking, hot. Knock your motherfucking ass out. Quick, hot should have been a linebacker. I don't know how the fuck he ended up being a fullback, but that's my guy. Mal Miner, calculate everything. Smartest guy in the, in the world. We're still trying to figure out how high he ended up at Columbus. These are the guys that made Miami. These are my homeboys. 
and I love them to death. Love them to death. So you say everybody want to know, Luke, can Miami come back? Miami can come back, yes. But you cannot disrespect the program. You got to go and recruit those type of people. Ed Reed, another one of my dudes, fucking William Joseph, my friend right now today. It's, it's amazing that he ain't at my house right now. Black. Led the fucking uh, shit in sacks. I can go on and on by each one of them guys. They ain't got enough time on here. Because I need uh, I need y'all to understand one thing. What Miami football is all about. Y'all need to understand that. Howard Snellenberger created the blueprint. Any coach that deviates from the blueprint will always lose. They will not be successful. You can't even fucking, it's, 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 like, it's like a recipe. It's like the recipe for Coca-Cola. If you have too much sugar in that motherfucker, it ain't going to be cold. It's like the recipe of of, of, of of a fucking Louis the 13th. If one thing is off, you throw that whole batch in the garbage. Now, here's the blueprint of the University of Miami. I gave you the cast of characters. I gave you the DNA, the type of people that you need at the program. Here's University of Miami. What does Stellenberger do? Created the blueprint. What was the blueprint? He says all the time, win the state of Miami in recruiting. First thing, win the state of Miami in recruiting. Who was Edgerton James, Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee? Who the fuck was their running back coach? Donnie Solinger. Where did Donnie Solinger coach at? Southridge. Win the state of Miami by all means necessary. You get the best players from Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, and the rest is history. You get a few players from from, uh, Tampa. You get a few players from Orlando. You get a few from Jacksonville. You get a few from Georgia. You get a few from Texas. You get a few from Louisiana. You get a few from Oklahoma. What you get from Oklahoma and Texas, the big corn-fed uh, fucking linemen. That's where you go get your linemen from, Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, who want to come in them palm trees, who don't want to be living in them fucking, in, in them woods. They tired of looking at them fucking woods. They tired of looking at them potatoes and shit. You go get you some hardcore hood guys like Ed Reed from Louisiana. You go to the hood school. You go to fucking New Jersey. You go to the hood school in New Jersey, not the private one. You go to Northwestern, Central, Booker T, Edison. Get you a couple from Columbus. Get you fucking a couple from uh, South Ridge, a couple from uh, uh, fucking Killian, a couple from Carroll City, Norland. You get the gangsters. You go up there to fucking uh, Broward. You get you a few of them from 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 St. Thomas. You go over there to Glen at Deerfield, and you get you a few from Glen at Deerfield. Then you go up to fucking uh, 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 you go up to Palm Beach. You have jet. You go up to Palm Beach, 
and you get you a couple from Palm Beach. You ain't got but 25 scholarships. What ends up happening? You win the state of Miami and you win. You get them coaches who make them get at it and go at it and go hard. You get them kids from public schools who hungry and thirsty, who trying to get out of the fucking ghetto, who live, die, eat, breathe this shit. You don't go to fucking private schools. You don't go to IMGs and all that other shit in the world, the Bishop Goldman's and all that shit where they wiping the kids' ass. They got somebody to wipe their ass. They got somebody to pamper them. They got somebody to cut their hair. You got They got somebody giving them manicures and pedicures and shit like that. They done took the lion and the tiger out of them because they playing at them institutions being pampered and the lion is taken out of them. You don't fill your roster up with that shit. You go find Cortez Kennedy. You go find your Warren Sapp. You go find your Ed Reed. You go find your Jerome Brown. You go find your Edron James out of Mockley. He got a fucking son over there right now. I'll, go, I'll be recruiting his ass right now. You go find those kind of people. You go find a kid that's in Gainesville who say, fuck Florida. Like a Lamar Thomas, I want to be in Miami because I want to be a part of that shit. You don't control them. They need to understand it's us against the world. That is how you bring Miami back. You listen to this this, this whole broadcast. You find a, a reporter like a Dan Levitard and you be happy when they go after us. Play the game how you want to fucking be, play it. Play like the old Miami. Don't steal the product. We got swag. And this make-believe fake swag shit. If you got swag, you walk up, you fucking walk up in that stadium with a loose scarf on and say, fuck it, and get flags all over the place. That's what we want here in Miami. We want the old shit back. Don't give us the fake product. Don't give us the generic shit. Don't give us... Give us, don't give us fucking uh, the generic product on the shelf and say it's corn, but it's got Winn-Dixie name on it. Give us the real fucking product. It's two different things. You go to the doctor, the doctor give you the prescription. He say, well, you want the generic penicillin or do you want the real penicillin? You want the real shit. And so, again, yes, we can be back. Yes, I want Manny Diaz to be back. I have conversation with Manny all the time. I know you'll be amazed, and I give him my opinion. I had conversation with Al Golden. Let me give you Al Golden story. I brought Amari Cooper to the campus, and I know y'all want to know those stories there, too. Why we don't recruit? Why we haven't got the Amari Coopers? Why we ain't get the Devontae Freeman? Why we ain't get the Dalvin Cooks? Why we ain't get all these guys? How did we miss out on these guys? Because of bad coaching and bad recruiting. I personally took Amari Cooper to the University of Miami myself because I started coaching at Miami Northwestern after we won the state championship at Miami Central. I became the defensive coordinator at Northwestern. 
I saw a receiver over there named Cooper that we were playing against, and I scouted, and I said, this kid got something. Very talented. So every year for the last 15 years, I've been doing this college tour where I take kids around the country and have them visit the colleges. So when I got to fucking, uh, when I got to Northwestern, I took Cooper down there. I called up McDonald. He was the receiver coach. Al Golden was the head coach. I said, McDonald, I got this kid, this wide receiver. You might need to see him. McDonald came out, saw the kid. He was like, oh, okay. He look all right, but he has to come to the camp. So we went down to the camp. I went to McDonald's, Al Golden, and every motherfucking body out there. I said, this kid, go get your five star. He ain't had no stars. So it's a fucking lie to say Mari Cooper had any stars until he got an offer, soft offer from the University of Miami. He had no stars. He had less than 300 yards the previous year uh, in his 11th grade year because he had a hip point in the whole fucking year. So he had nothing. No offers, no stars, no nothing. So I put Cooper in the, in the truck along with Artie Burns and we goes down to the University of Miami. Say five out of four out of five coach, bring your five star. They brought some big time superstar kid. He lined his ass up and Cooper beat the motherfucker five out of five. We got in the van, Mo, we get, no, before we got in the van, Hal go to say, come on to my office. He said, Mark Cooper, I'm going to give you a soft offer. I can't tell nobody about this shit because we got this kid named Herb Waters, a receiver. We didn't want him to get away because we promised him that we weren't going to take another receiver. Amari Cooper said, I commit, coach. He ain't know what's going on because Amari Cooper every day came to practice with nothing but University of Miami shit on. See, what people don't know is Amari Cooper lived in Coconut Grove, like I said earlier. Coconut Grove is right across the street from Carl Gables, one block away. And it was his goal to play there. So when we came out the office, they said, we cannot report this to anybody because we don't want this guy to get away. I said, okay, coach, this is some bullshit. We got in the van. We went to Florida State. Got there. Stooks was the defense coordinator and defensive back coach. Jimbo Fisher. I said, Jimbo, I got a kid here going to beat any one of your five stars' ass. Four out of five, same deal. Stooks went and brought some big-time five-star, the best kid in the camp. Cooper beat him five out of five. The first play, let me tell you, the first play, the kid lined up against Cooper and slapped the dog shit out of him. He slapped Cooper before the first play even happened. He got up on the line, lined up with Cooper, slapped the shit out of him. And I'm with Northwestern kids, and we all get ready to attack. And Cooper say, don't move. I got this shit. Cooper don't say a word. He said, don't fucking move. I got this shit. What Cooper ended up doing, beating this motherfucker. Five out of five in the last play, he dropped the bomb on him. Blue. Went up to Jimbo Fisher office. He said, okay, Cooper, we like you, but we got a lot of other kids that we're thinking about. We left that motherfucker. Said, what the fuck? Now we still on the tour. We end up going to goddamn what? Alabama. Nick Saban said, I keep hearing about this Cooper and this Artie Burns. He was having a seven-on-seven tournament. What ended up happening? Nick Saban had the tournament, and he said, the tournament been going on, but I'm going to slip y'all in against the best team because I need to see these guys. 
Nate Saban saw Cooper run three routes, dropped his motherfucking coffee. He had his little hot pants on because me and Nate, I always laugh at Nate about them little old pants. He dropped his fucking coffee and said, Luke, I need a word with you. I said, well, what's up, Nate? He said, I, I love this kid here. He got an offer at the University of Alabama. <laughs> Him and the other one, Artie Burns. Right then, Cooper fell in love. He was That was the first firm offer that he got from a head coach that said, I want you. That's why Cooper ended up at fucking Alabama. You want to know why Friedman ended up? Jonathan Vilma talk all this bullshit, a guy who I really fuck with like that. Oh, Luke, Luke sending all the players to Florida State. That's some bullshit. Fuck him. I don't even know why he didn't get fired from ESPN for saying some dumb shit like that. As a reporter, you're supposed to do your fucking due diligence. Friedman, we take Friedman down to University of Miami camp. Same little tour with John Miller in the in the truck. John Miller playing at Buffalo Bills offensive guard. Running back coach at University of Miami said, hell no, nah, we Freeman, you too small and you ain't good enough. Freeman said, huh? We all looked at this man and was like, what? Because again, Freeman, same situation as uh as Amari Cooper. He didn't have that many yards because he wasn't the primary starter. We go to Florida State the next day. Freeman runs the W drill. It was Eddie Grand and fucking Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher said, run that shit again. Stop the practice. We had the camp. We got to go upstairs. <laughs> Son, you got an offer at, at, at Florida State. Nobody wanted to touch Friedman. First thing Friedman said out of his mouth, hey, so where the bag at? We all died laughing. Said, hold on, that's illegal. What the fuck you talking about? And then he started laughing. Jimbo was like, huh, that was crazy. It wasn't no bag. So these are the stories, <laughs> and there's more. I can tell you stories about T.Y. Hilton on down the line. How did T.Y. Hilton end up at? And fucking uh, FIU, they kept saying, I kept screaming, you got to get T.Y., you got to get T.Y. They were like, oh, 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 T.Y. this, T.Y. that. You got to get T.Y. That motherfucker is good. Me and T.Y., daddy is real good friends, and I would go watch his basketball games and motherfucker jump from the top of the key. He was so damn fast. Never got T.Y. So the list goes on. Even right now today, I tell these people, you might need to get this guy. You might need to get this guy. You might need to get this guy to come coach. But that's the stories. And there's more. But this is going to be chapter one. I leave this to y'all. We're going to be great again. We're going to be great. At the U. Once we use the blueprint. The state of Miami recruit it. It'll be all good. I'd like to thank you all for listening to another broadcast of yours truly, Uncle Luke podcast. This was an extended one. It was a lot of stories, a lot of stuff that I missed. That's why it's going to be part one. There's going to be a part two somewhere later on down the line. But remember, check me out right here on all these podcast networks. And make sure you check me out. If you need that Luke paraphernalia, go to www.lukerecord.com. Get your T-shirt, get your hats and all that. If you need to follow me, please follow me at 
Uncle Luke Real One on Twitter, Uncle Luke Real One on Instagram, and also follow me on my fan page, Uncle Luke. Thank you. Hopefully you have a great day and have a whole great year of football. Until the next time, yours truly, Uncle Luke, I'm out the door. And don't let the corona get you. I holla. MIA 305 all day.